Let's start uh, there. Because I, I have a headset. I have no, a, it, look, it looks a little better now that you put it down. Well, f- before I could only see nose up. It looks a little better now. Why don't you tell us about the jerseys that you have in the background? Man, Let's start the podcast. Nothing, man, you, you, you ain't going to get on clown and then want me to tell you something. <laughs> Let's start the pod. Okay. I think we should call it two Z's and an OC. That could be corny. It could be bad. I don't know. Maybe we'll put it up to the listeners to come up I with a better name. I should call it OC and Zo. OC and Zo. Okay. That, yeah, that would not have me in there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not going to work. I think two Z's and an OC is the way to go. Uh, I'm the one working on Zion I to do the intro song. No big deal. The Warriors barber brownie blends to come through. Cut me. Film up an episode. You guys are the ones doing that pretty much you got nothing. a whole lot of time on your hands because you don't do nothing all day. That's all that means. <laughs> that is exactly what that translates to. That 100% what that means. Okay, fair enough. Hell of a way to start. Uh, I do all the work. You guys do none, and you take credit for it. That's fine. So, can you please explain the jerseys that are framed behind you? Okay, well, I have three jerseys. What is this? The AFC Chip Pro Bowl jersey I have when I was Pro Bowl MVP in 2016. Damn, I didn't even uh, know that. The middle one, Senior Bowl, is when I went to the Senior Bowl in college. Okay. And the far, I guess, left or right, depending on what you guys are looking at. But uh, behind me is also my uh, high school jersey, number 76 from St. Mary's High School. St. Mary's Holla, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I played a game with you where you ran for 550 yards and about seven touchdowns and you were running over like 12-year-olds because right, you looked yeah. like an 18-year-old even though you were only 13. <laughs> Anyways, what are the other trophies over your right shoulder right there? What are those little those triangles? Are, uh, yeah. they're, they're diamonds, I guess, triangles. Yeah, I guess, whatever you want to call them. Man of the Year, honors. I, I've been nominated five times. What else is up there? I think. Well, how many times have you won? Because oftentimes actresses and actors do that where they go, it was no. an honor just to be nominated. Right, yeah. So the, the NFL does it. <laughs> I've never won the actual overall where it's just the one guy. Every team has a nominee. So I've been nominated by my team as the guy five times. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Uh, It doesn't really matter about that when it comes to service. (laughs) That leads us to OC, who did win something specifically, a belt that apparently he just keeps underneath his bed. Professional Fighters League champion on New Year's Eve. Yes, I stupidly had an invite to that. Did not go in New York City. I don't know why. But he won a million dollars that night. He got paid to do something similar to you, Zoe, in terms of violence for a living. He did it a little bit more overtly. You did it a little bit more, you know, there's pads and there's helmets and stuff. He just full-blown punched people in the face and got his face turned into hamburger meat and stuff like that. But that leads us to OC. OC, how are you, sir? Doing great. Just, you know, it's hot, man. It's hot out here. I don't know what it's like for you guys. I saw nothing but record numbers across the board. Apparently, it was the hottest it's ever been in Arizona, Hawaii, like five other states. And it's hot in the Berkeley Hills where it's normally the highest it gets here is like 80 and it's like 95 or something. So, yeah. It's hot. Hot everywhere, then. We're, we're going to start this podcast, though. I don't know if you want to go down the college route or the NFL route. OC has been depressed all week. Uh, he was just a shell of himself last week when we did a podcast. He was on the phone. He was like, he, he, he left the room. He didn't right. even care. He didn't even make any apologies about doing the podcast. He was overtly basically letting us know that I am not in a good place. And it's because <laughs> the Big Ten, followed by the Pac-12, both saying no college football. So we can go down that route, or we can also go down the route of there's a lot of NFL players that have bowed out, but it looks like the NFL is going to be on track to go as planned. So you can take that in whatever direction you want. No, I mean, we can talk about a lot of that stuff. I mean, obviously talk about it all, but let's talk about OC's woes first. I mean, obviously it's a hard hit to college football. I mean, you got two of the Power Five conferences bowing out. And it, you know, as a parent, you know, I have four kids, actually one that's just finished up grad school. So I think I can relate a little bit more to college as far as where 
or how would I feel about letting my child play? And, you know, I kind of been all over the board, but it's definitely hard because you got a lot of seniors out there that want to play, people that are going to no longer be able to play at the next level. You know, everybody talks about the Lawrences of the world and all the guys that are going to maybe first and second round picks, but there's guys that potentially won't ever get to play again. And so I feel really bad for those people, especially people, you know, basketball, all the winter sports that got pushed back in the, in the Big Ten as well as the Pac-12. So it, it's just crazy. But, you know, at the end of the day, the reason why they did it, I don't like. And, you know, they, they talk about player safety. I think the real reason why they did it, though, was because of the We Are United movement that was starting up. And they just said, oh, you guys are going to try to ask for so much. Well, we'll just shut this thing down and push it back. Oh, hang on. Hang on. That's interesting. You're saying that you think it was less about the health concerns and more about the player demands? Yeah, I think that pushed them over the top as far as let's opt out. Let's push uh-huh. it back. Let's slow play these young people because they're starting to act up, you know, ask for way too much, you know, as far as revenue, medical care, all those things that in the long run are going to cost the university exponential amount of dollars because it's, if they get that change, that's for the, the rest of life of college football. So in my mind, I know that had to run across some of those presidents' minds, and they're not going to ever come out and say it. I wouldn't. But you can't say player health and safety, coronavirus, and then try to have a spring season and then try to play the fall season right behind it, especially when you're talking about football. Maybe some of the other non-contact sports or non-collision sports, you may be able to get away with that. But when you're talking about football, having a you know eight-game season, and then follow that up with another season four or five months later, are you, do you really care about health and safety? Or, oh, see, did you get that? Because I never even knew that that was one of the factors into it. Do you think that it was more about what they were demanding versus like what they're expecting in terms of health? I thought it was just a regional thing. Like on the West Coast and the Northwest or whatever, you got people that are way more whatever, however you want to categorize it or phrase it, but people that tend to err on the side of being more careful than not. I thought it was more about that. But what Zoe brings up is interesting. I mean, yeah, the Pac-12 did come with those list of demands that we talked about, but I never knew that that was factoring into them shutting it down. Well, there's a lot of factors in a major decision like this. I'm not necessarily in Zoe's camp all the way that that had a significant impact on whether or not they were going to play the season. But there's no way you could just ignore the momentum that was building amongst players for what was amounting to, if we were not against the backdrop of coronavirus, it was amounting to a lockdown brewing in the Pac-12. Now, the Big Ten wasn't quite so harsh in their list of demands. The players asking for long-term medical care. They weren't asking for revenue split. Most of their demands had to do with the coronavirus, health and safety protocols, all that kind of stuff. But the interesting thing is, even if you're more like you lean more in that direction of, okay, these universities shut this down because they wanted to shut these players up. I'll listen to that argument. But the disappointing thing is that as soon as it became a reality that Mm -hmm. football is not going to be played, Mm -hmm. the players lost all focus on give me what I need make sure you're taking care of us. They lost all focus on it and said, no, 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 just let us play. Just let us play, which might be what the conferences intended in the first place. Yep. All of a sudden, We Are United became let us play. There's a petition going around from Justin Fields right now. Parents are meeting with the Big Ten probably as we speak, trying to figure out a way to get them to reverse course on this. So that probably leads you to think maybe Zoe and (laughs) the camp know what they're talking about. That's what they do. That's what employers do. You can't ignore all of the factors is, I guess, probably the, the big point for me. Like, obviously, the Pac-12 exists in a conference and athletics in the SEC, a lot of these places, it's a college town. 
the entire economy of a community is based on Alabama football, is based mm-hmm. on Arkansas football, whatever. Mm-hmm. Auburn, That's yeah. not true of most places in the Pac-12, right? You've got Cal in a major metropolitan area, Stanford in a major metropolitan area. The same is true of UCLA and USC, obviously. Utah's mm-hmm. in Salt Lake. There's a state is in Tempe. Corvallis is hurt by this significantly as a community. Pullman mm-hmm. for Washington mm-hmm. State. Mm-hmm. But everyone else can kind of get by. There's a lot of little layers to this onion, but you know, there's political leanings to who's on top and making these decisions. At the end of the day, they're not playing, and that's the disappointing thing. And Zoe, you touched on this, but I don't think you really answered the question in terms of if your kid was eligible or in a spot where he or she right. would play something at the collegiate level. Would you allow it? I would be demanding that there were proper protocols in place to safety. So half of what they already asked for, because half of what they were asking for was things to ensure their safety. And then the oh. other half, there was compensation. They're trying to, pull stuff a power they're trying to yeah. create a shift. And this yeah. was a great time to do it. I mean, obviously, in college, you rarely have this type of leverage where you can essentially strong arm the university system, especially, you know, obviously in California, you think about the Pac-12 and the power that they have over these young people really across the country. So they were trying to seize the moment. And why not? Why wouldn't you try to do that? And so, yes, I think the protocols were very essential. But then also on top of that, they're trying to make a power move to make it better for the people that come after them, and obviously for themselves as well. And, you know, and I think that's what it came down to. But what I let my kids play, if the protocols were they're in place to keep them as safe as possible. At this point, as far as where we are with the virus, I would say yes, because what I play, I probably would have played in this time too. And so it'd be hard for me not to allow my son or daughter to play if the proper safety protocols were put in place, because me just walking at home and being at the house, if I go out, I mean, I'm not getting tested. And so if they had those resources available to them, I think they were in a safer demographic. Obviously their age, they're also getting tested. And then they also know, you know, kind of where they stand day to day. There's another thing that Zoe said in his kind of initial run, talking about playing two seasons in one calendar year. Yeah. The idea of proposing a spring football season. I think it was the SWAC yesterday put out their proposed spring schedule, which was only a seven-game schedule. But at the end of the day, if you're a Super Bowl team that did not get a first-round bye, you have to play 20 games, right? No college team has ever played 20 games. We're talking about an eight-game season and a 12-game season. Even right. if you reduce it to two eight-game seasons, you're asking young men in the sport of football to put their bodies and brains and everything else on the line. That's a lot of damage to be accumulating over one year. And I really don't think, actually, that the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or the Ivy League or anyone really intends to try and play football in the spring. I think that this was sort of kick it down the road, give these athletes something to talk about, something to look forward to. This will discourage people from dropping out of school. It'll discourage people from just giving up on the whole career thing. I think that they're dangling that carrot out in front of these student athletes, trying to get them to stay focused. Yeah, I I get that sentiment, and I think that's uh, a great way to think about it. But I've been around big business for way too long, and that's what college athletics is at the end of the day. It's a big business. They say student athletes – but the mindset, especially in the football world, I'll speak from that, is nothing academic is 
<laughs> second, third, fourth on the run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You you got it right. It's not second. <laughs> it's better, it's something like fifth out. or sixth. Yeah. yeah, training, lifting weights, eating yeah, right. Yeah, it's all exactly. these other things. Yeah. Knowing the game plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably plan. ninth or tenth on the line. Yeah. That comes making money, you know, yep. getting these bonuses, all these things <laughs> yep. have access to. And so just the amount of money. I just look at the money. I follow the money. I mean, that's what I always look at and seeing how much money that even though, yes, you are in this big city, you know, you think about the, the being in the Bay Area for Stanford and Cal, being in L.A. for USC and UCLA, it is still a significant amount of money. We're talking about billions of dollars that these schools won't be able to have access to. And every billionaire I've ever talked to, owners, when I'm sitting across the table from them, when they say losing money, they're just not making enough money. And so yeah. for me, I know that they're going to try to do something to recoup some of this. It's, it, because at the end of the day, they don't really care how they have to do it to do it. I mean, yeah. if they miss a couple of you know, the, the star players, fine, be it. As long as we can make some of our money back that we lost, we're going to put these young men out there, especially in the football sense. They may think, okay, well, at least you have 100 people. You know, we'll, we'll try to figure some type of way out to where we maybe limit your body or whatnot, but they're going to try to figure out some type of way to recoup this money. And that's why I think you have these proposals coming out. People are not just putting this work in to have proposals just to do it, just to kind of trick the college athlete to go to class. That's not it. They put it out there because they want to play. Coaches want to coach. Coaches want to get paid that money because they know that certain bonuses in their contract are tied to that. Colleges want to have all this money coming in. Yeah. They want to continue to put this money into the endowments and the prestiges of playing and winning champions. They want all that. And so they are definitely going to try to figure out a way to create some type of season. Maybe it's not, you know, the same as what it would be in the fall, but they're going to put something out there for sure. You mentioned earlier the leverage, that this year was such a strange year for players to have leverage. Next year they have even more leverage, which I agree with you that they're going to be asked to do a lot. One way or another – College athletes are going to be asked to do a lot. I don't know if it'll be football athletes in the spring, basketball athletes trying to cram a full season into a shortened calendar, whatever it's going to be. People are going to be asked to do a lot to try and recoup some of this lost money for their athletic departments. And it creates an environment that's unfortunate for fans, unfortunate for the season ticket holder and the booster. But this is the most leverage that we will have ever seen college athletes have because there's already growing sentiment that they need to be better taken care of, better compensated for what they're sacrificing while they're in college. And now you're talking about the potential threat of losing not only the 50, 60, 70 million dollars this season, but if you can get a little bit more organized in the Pac-12, the Big Ten, maybe even the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 can jump on board. If you can get players to be a little bit more organized and coronavirus is gone and these players say, you know what, you're not getting this season either unless I get name, image, and likeness at the very least, unless I get true cost of living stipend, that kind of thing. The leverage student athletes have going into the 2021 season is at an all-time high. I'm really curious to see what they do with it. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see if they continue to push forward and use this momentum because, like you said, that back-to-back hit from a financial standpoint, the universities will be you know, hard-pressed not to at least you know, meet them in the middle somewhere. Maybe not every single demand on there, but, I mean, at least medical, you think about stuff like that, some of your naming rights and imaging that you can put into a, a fund. So when you're out of school, if you're not one of those guys that are lucky enough to play at the next level, you have something to kind of start yourself with. I, I would say I would agree with you, OC, on that, that they should definitely push the leverage. There has to be some type of solidarity and plan in place. But aren't we, and correct me if I'm wrong, aren't we talking about a similar situation when you talk about the NFL and how they've never been able to successfully have a, a, when you, strike, uh, a real lockout? A strike. 
Yeah, yeah, a strike. Strike is the word I'm looking for. They never can have a strike because ultimately the people that are not getting paid, like the Peyton Mannings of the world, can afford to do it. You, Zoe, after your fat ass contract, you could have probably done it too. But the average dude that's making half a you know half a million a year. College athletes don't, ain't making nothing right now. So them sitting out, it doesn't pertain to them the same way as it does for me where I have four kids at the house that I'm trying to feed. But down the line, salary. though, they know playing college football is going to lead them to an NFL contract. So down the line, it's the same if thing. You can play, if you can play ball in college, the NFL is going to take you. They don't care what happens. If you're a baller, they'll get you. It's just too much tape out there. You're not going to have back in the 80s and the 70s where guys get lost. It's just too much film out there. They know about everybody, everything that's going on. Well, and you so, got to show that on the college no, field. Not all, it's all, all the time. So you telling me if Lawrence doesn't play this year, he's not going to be the number one quarterback taken? Are <laughs> okay. you telling me that? You're using the best no, possible that's, example that's to make me look example. like an idiot. Yes, 20, he will be guys. drafted number one. Yes, okay. he will. Other so people, that doesn't matter. Those guys know where the they're field. going. There's only a handful of guys that know where they're going. I thought I was going to go third round. I went undrafted. But there's a handful of guys in college right now that know they're going to be a first or second round pick, and there's nothing to do with it. Okay. But right. that has nothing to do with them saying I'm not going to play football next year because they don't have any income coming in. They don't have to worry about them trying to replace. It's much harder to replace, I, I don't know, the Power Five conferences. Imagine all those kids you have to find. They have to get admitted in the school. They have to be ready to play at that type of level. You can't replace 100 guys on 30 teams. You can't do it, unlike the NFL, where you have some guys across. You. you can find some guys on a 50-man roster. That's an easier push or a thing to do or replace players in the NFL than it is on the college level. Yeah, I got you. I mean, I guess I think that you're undervaluing how much NFL GMs want college tape on film. No, I mean, not. I hear what you're saying. Trevor Lawrence, yes. But I think that there's a lot of examples where they're well, going to want to see more before they drafted him where they would. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe in that case, a guy may go seventh round instead of the fifth round. At that point, that's not a big money jump. And if you can play, you can play. And I'm so saying one to three. Like I'm, saying, I'm saying somebody could fall from the first round to the third round. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, right. I mean, that happens. You're the NFL a, a player. I, I hey, see to you. You could be the uh, a dog, and maybe you have a bad senior year and you drop. So maybe it's helping some guys, too. I, yeah. I mean, it works both ways. That's true. That's true. So they see measurables. They see what you've done, your body of work, and they go about that. And every year we say, man, where did this guy come from? How did he get drafted? Yeah. Oh, man, why did he fall? At yeah. the end of the day, you already have a body of work. All right. And it, it may help you slightly. It may hurt you slightly based on what you do of late. But that's, it's not going to move you drastically unless you just do – just come out of nowhere. And that rarely happens. Or you just are trash after you've been a baller the first couple of years. And that rarely happens. And so when you have slight movement, second, in the second – yeah. Middle third, yeah, but money-wise, that's not a big jump. You're absolutely right. The rare case is actually what we saw with the number one pick this year, right? Joe Burrow, if he didn't get to play in 2019, Joe Burrow is a sixth-round pick. Joe Burrow instead is a Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, number one pick. But that's prohibitively rare. Right. I want to go back to the college discussion, though, because Zoe, as a guy, as, a, as an athlete who was at the very upper crust of your college roster, and obviously good enough to play in the NFL. There's this idea that I, even as a former athlete myself, that I actually protest that every athlete deserves to be paid something. Every athlete deserves to get better than his scholarship because I was on the teams with a lot of guys who didn't even earn the value of that scholarship. If we want to professionalize college athletics and you want to make it like the NFL where 
all right, you know what? You're on the league minimum this year. If you ball out, you're going to get more money. If you don't ball out, you're cut and you're working at Walmart. That's not really how it works necessarily in college. They take away your reps. They sit you down, and you just ride that scholarship out for another three years, and you get your degree, and hopefully you move on to a successful future. But if we're going to start paying people, then there's a lot of guys who get a one-year scholarship, and then when they don't work out, give it to somebody else. That's my only hope if we actually start paying college athletes that you make the people earn it because there's a lot of guys that get recruited, get a scholarship, and they never show up on the field. Yeah, I mean, that's true, and I think a lot of goes into that. And I'm not necessarily, I want college athletes to be receiving money on a day-to-day basis or a week-to-week basis. I just think certain guys, and this is a very layered conversation, right? Because if you pay one player, you got to pay everybody, and then you got to play all the sports. You know, how does that ever work? But in my mind, it should be like a benefit. For example, in the NFL, we have certain benefits outside of our salary. And so, yes, because of my production, I may get X amount a year, you know, let's say $5 million, but then you have a quarterback that makes $30 million a year because of his position and, and what he does. But we have something called benefits where it doesn't really matter who you are and what your production is, everybody participates in it equally. So, for example, pension. We all get the same type of pension credits, which is like, let's say, $500 a month based on how many years we played, right? Times that by 10, you know, so you'll get $5,500 a month if both of us played 10 years. So that's equal. So I'm saying I would do something more on that aspect of creating some like post-college pension or severance pay. Like when you're done, you get X amount of dollars. And how you can figure that out, I don't know, but you can figure that out. You know, player performance, that's another one in the NFL. If I play 100 plays and, you know, I get X amount of dollars versus a guy that maybe played was, was a bench warmer or maybe just played special teams, he'll get less money than me. Because he didn't participate as much in the production or the wins of the team. Yes, his role helped us, but he didn't statistically help us as much. So I think there's some creative ways that you can come up to make it fair for guys that ball out and guys that really don't do anything except go to school, which is fine, and maybe get in on a play or two here and there to create some equity so you don't have like a a Lawrence making the same as a bench player that never plays. So, I, you know, I think there's just some creative ways that we can get around that and do it to where it's equitable based on what you produced. Okay, so we've gotten rid of all the intelligent talk, all the smart talk. Lorenzo Alexander, very intelligent. Sean O'Connell, very intelligent. Okay, there's a lot of people out there like me. Uh, Okay, I went to Cal. So I went to the number one public university in the world. I'm very intelligent, but I don't like to have conversations this deep and in-depth with big words. So, yes, this is about as deep as it possibly can get. We are scratching the surface on what these conversations are going (laughs) to end up God. All right, go ahead. You, you guys lost me like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, Anyways, cool. can we talk about what people actually care about? No offense to OC, you know, Pac-12 not going to do their thing. We're talking about them playing in the spring, whatever. Let's talk about the number one sport in the United States. That would be the NFL, okay? NBA is number two. Don't get me started on that. I'm wearing my son's jersey. I'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah. the NFL is number one, and Lorenzo Alexander, fresh off retiring too early, by the way. We touched on that a little bit in our interview a couple of months ago. You retired when you had plenty of gas left in the tank. But as what a— what you should do. No, right. no. Oh, because yeah, you went out on top. Ball. You won your PFL championship and won a million dollars, and then you retired. Stop it. That has nothing to do with me. Mm. I'm talking about from a fan perspective, the worst thing that you can see, this happened to me, Jerry Rice, idolized him, loved Jerry Rice, my oh, favorite. Oh, the Broncos, I, the Broncos. 
Terry Rice's Oof. career end, Zachariah. Oh, with the Broncos, and he got cut. Oof. Such an undignified end for. Yeah, well, that's the way off. that I would roll. I would roll to the wheels fall off. You're going to have to carry me out of whatever situation I'm in. Yeah. I will always be the worst possible thing that I can be while still being able to do it. And then you can take me out of there. So anyways, God bless Zoe. He walked away, he got his loot and he's got his health, but that's not the way I'd go out. I would go out having zero sacks and no tackles for loss. And it would be an ugly 16 game season. And then they cut my ass. I ain't going out when I'm Mr. Pro Bowl and winning all these awards and stuff like that. Sorry. I'm taking that glitz and glamor as long as I can. Anyways, it leads me to the number one sport in the USA, Lorenzo Alexander. And how exactly do you think did either of you guys watch the la hard knocks no i don't watch that I what lived, i lived it why do i need to watch something that i lived okay cockiest thing okay we're, we're gonna start true i'm gonna I start watch any of them because okay, I that's fine I, I, that's... i've been in training camp for i mean the last 20 so, years i mean so that's fine i'm just gonna start creating a list of most <laughs> cockiest things that lorenzo alexander says and right now number one on the list yeah. is why would i watch that i lived it yeah. anyways zachariah <laughs> that's the equivalent Lorenzo Alexander watching Hard Knocks is the equivalent of you turning on your television to watch a dude who stays at home, only goes to the grocery yes. store, and plays yes. video games. You wouldn't <laughs> yes. watch that either. Well, first of all, I don't play video games. But yes, go. I would watch that. And I would watch it, and I would judge whether or not he was as good as me. <laughs> Anyways, the bigger question, though, is how do you think that this L.A. – obviously, they're showing the Chargers and the Rams – new stadium down there in LA, but how do you think this NFL season is going to kick off? Cause we're talking about the big yeah. 10 and we're talking about the PAC 12 shutting down their seasons right. and we're talking about the same exact sport. So how do you think, cause the NFL is just rolling through it. Like nothing's yeah. going on. Well, the NFL is not really rolling through it. I mean, before the season started much like you saw MLB and the MLB PA union, the NFL's PA, our union, we had negotiations with the owners to make sure that we had the safety protocols that I referenced earlier that I would allow my son to play or my daughter to play if they had. And we had to fight tooth and nail to get certain things implemented into the league so that we can make sure that our guys were walking in, coaches were walking in, staff members were walking into the safest environment possible so that you can mitigate the spread of the virus. Because you can't stop it, but you can slow it down. And that was, you know, testing daily, having all the protocols as far as how do you meet in, how do you ramp up because guys didn't have an off season. So you see some injuries right now. Imagine yep. if we didn't negotiate in to have a, really a week and a half, two week ramp up. So guys had to lift first, then go to non-pads, then go to padded practices. You're seeing guys tear ACLs and pecs. That would have been a lot worse. So there's a whole bunch of things that happened behind the scenes before this training camp even started. And so I think with the protocols, with the work that I think a lot of the good teams are doing and stuff, because it has been a less than 1% positive rate in the league, the season's going to start off great. The issue is going to be is when teams start traveling, do we have somebody, you know, we already saw one in Seattle and he ended up getting cut trying to sneak a young lady in. But do we have somebody? <laughs> Dressed as down? a Seahawks employee, by yeah, the way. I, I, we've all seen, I was just talking to a guy the other day that actually did that in college and he got caught on the film. He Wait, hold on, back up. That's You've another story. No, 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 back up. You've experienced this before? That, that happens all the time. That's nothing. The only reason why he got cut is because people, of COVID. People sneaking women in to look like men? Yeah, because you don't, you can't tell. Put on the baggy sweats. It's a, it's a, <laughs> one of the guys on the team walking down the hallway. Put the hood on. You can't tell. 
Maybe it's a little DB. I, I thought that was the first time thing. Oh, I didn't know man, that was a common occurrence. Time. I've seen a lot of stuff, but that's I've never why, seen women dressing as men. Like I said, I live this stuff, man. This, that's, that, that is not even that bad. I've seen way worse. But so, <laughs> and I, we okay. were doing that in college. So, okay. I mean, this, this okay. been going Zachariah, on. someone tries to put you in a bubble environment like that, Zach, you would be pulling some mission impossible right. things. Oh, I'm sure. I, I would, and I would fail miserably. I would be, <laughs> My stuff would be all over TMZ. I would be yeah. awful for that. I just didn't know that was a common occurrence. Anyways, yeah, go ahead. Man, that's common. Yeah, okay. that's the thing to do. But <laughs> not you. You're a faithfully married man. That's why I said back in college we used to yes, do exactly, exactly. League. Exactly. I, I watched it. I saw it happen. You know, <laughs> yes, you just yeah. go in your room and you saw observe. Okay, observe. Because we've created this semi bubble, at least in training camp, and the league is testing daily, and you know where guys stand at. The season, I think, is going to start off. Great, but once you start traveling, maybe people get kind of tired of doing this regimented thing and maybe lose focus, especially some younger guys who are not married or in a city for the first time and are lonely or whatnot. And so do they decide that when we go to Miami or Atlanta, they go to the strip club or they go out or do, are they flying people in and bringing people over to the house randomly that don't know? And those are the things that then may... And you, you don't may see it finishing? Um, I think it will finish because we saw MLB... It, kind of push through the Marlins, push through the Cardinals. And <laughs> yep. the league is going to do the same thing. And the good thing about the league, unlike baseball is, is that if you lose, let's say, seven or eight players, you got a week to find seven or eight players to replace them, unlike True. baseball, where you're playing True. every day, day right now yeah, or every yeah. other day. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Obviously, Zoe said it all. The, the NFL, it's a completely different animal than college football. And that's sort of the problem with college football right now is that they're trying to pretend – that they're not big business. And the NFL gets to just fully admit and say, right. look, we're going to push through and we are going to play and we're going to earn this multi-billions dollars and we're going to make sure we deliver for our advertisers. Yeah, look, the owners are going to be unhappy because they don't get ticket revenue like they did before, but they've already found alternatives to make that up, tarping off the first 15 rows, mm -hmm. selling advertisements yep, and yep, stuff yep. like that. So look, if there is any industry in the United States of America that is going to push through and play and get that money, it is the National Football League. They have shown time and time again that they can make it through controversy. They can push through you know, anything that will upset other apple carts. The NFL is just like, no, we're going to stay the course and we're going to do this. And I think, I mean, training camp is one thing, like Zoe said, getting into a season, that's another but at the end of the day, there's a lot of guys who want to play and want to get paid, and they know that their window to be an NFL athlete is pretty short. So I think that there's maybe more guys that people are giving credit for right now that will do what they have to do to stay healthy. There will always be the outliers and the young guys, but you know, there's, <laughs> there's 100 dudes waiting for that spot on every roster. So Okay, so let me ask you this. As you, know, you played for the University of Utah, obviously Zoe played for Cal and in the league. It's more of a contact sport. So, uh, look, you're talking to a guy that was fiending for sports so badly that I was watching professional cornhole. I was watching Korean baseball. I was watching NASCAR, for God's sakes, because I just wanted anything that had a result that I didn't know. I couldn't watch, like, old baseball games or old basketball games. But in terms of you guys playing still, football— Still won't watch the UFC, though. Still wouldn't watch the UFC. That was gone. That's the only thing you won't watch. No, no, I watch that. I just watch it with my hands over my eyes because I can't watch you get beat to a pulp. It hurts me physically because I love UOC. Anyways, okay. the right. point 
is for the actual sport, right? Like I watch golf. It makes a ton of sense why golf can come back successfully, right? Baseball makes more sense. Basketball, they got the bubble. But in terms of football, number one, they're not doing the bubble. And number two, it's such a contact face-to-face you know, I mean, Zoe knows as a defensive end, as a linebacker or whatever, like people are spitting in your face. I mean, you're, you know, I mean, not to go Romanowski on you, but whatever. The point right. is, it's a much more face-to-face sport than any of the other sports. So how do you see them navigating those difficulties? I mean, you can't. I mean, it's just part of the risk that you have to take on when you go to work. And that's why we try to, you know, negotiate some opt-out stuff because some people weren't comfortable with that. Some people had pre-existing conditions. And so they didn't want to put themselves in that environment, understanding that you can't protect from every single aspect of it. And quite honestly, I mean, you can get tested on Saturday and then become infectious on Sunday. And yep. so or you could not have any symptoms. Yeah, but even if you don't have any symptoms, you should test positive if you have it. And so they're going to be doing daily testing. They're going to be testing guys on Saturday, getting those test results before the game on Sunday. And if you are positive, they're going to pull you from the game. Now, will you have some guys slide through there in some aspect? I'm pretty sure you will. We're just going to have to overcome it. I mean, there's going to be some spread of the virus. There are going to probably be some additional cases. And like I said, though, unlike... But, so do you think it's going to be worse than the other sports? Um, I don't know if it's going to be worse. Just based on the physical activity of the sport. Because in golf, I can be six feet away from you the entire time. I'm just swinging a club. I can wipe down my club. My caddy can wipe down the pole or whatever. The only way it's going to be worse is if a guy becomes infectious from the Saturday test to the Sunday test. Yeah, you think it's less about the physical activity and yeah, you think yeah, it's yeah. more about people because being responsible both, about the way they handle themselves? If we're both okay. negative and we both playing football blocking, you cough on me, but you don't have it, I'm not going to catch fine. it. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's why the testing is such a critical part of the season reaching its end because you want to make sure that you're minimizing the amount of guys that are out there that are contagious. And so if you have one guy that happens to sneak through because he becomes infectious from, and I'm pretty sure they have stats on how many guys could potentially be positive, even though we're testing every day, maybe one or two. Maybe he's a bench warmer. Maybe it's a guy that's not playing that week. Maybe yeah, it's the yeah. quarterback that's not really breathing on anybody. Yes, he has to come to the huddle, but he's not like in your face coughing and breathing on you. They're more talking kind of down, you know. So will you have some spread? Yes, but I don't think you're going to have one guy or two guys spread it to 40, even though because it's a physical game, you might not even have contact with that guy during that game. I feel like I actually get to lend an expert opinion for five seconds here because combat sports is the perfect example, right? Football is a very physical game. There is no game more physical than boxing or MMA, right? That's the whole point uh, is personal combat. And when it's two healthy people, two COVID-negative people engaging in that activity, there's no concern. So Zoe is absolutely right. The concern is that because you can't create the same bubble that the NBA has, you can't guarantee isolation in a cohort of healthy players. As soon as you get one weak link in the chain, that one guy who went to the club or that one guy who had to go play at a poker game or whatever else. For the chicken wings? Look, it's an unfortunate situation. And the NFL is probably at some point going to have to treat that kind of behavior the same way that the NBA has. If you're the guy who's going out and doing stupid stuff, and it's on your Instagram that you're out of the club. All right, sorry, you're out for two weeks because we got to make sure we keep everybody healthy. I mean, there's too much at stake for right. some. And if you're, and if you're the wrong in. guy, they're just going to cut you like they did the Seattle corner. That's right. If you're not the right, I mean, look, Pat Mahomes <laughs> can do whatever he wants. Right. But 
if you're Pat Mahomes' backup and you're hanging out doing stupid stuff and you're going to get Pat Mahomes sick, yeah, they're cutting. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's more difficult, right, because we're talking about a 52-man roster as opposed to, you know, a 16-man roster in the right. NBA. But if anyone can afford the necessary testing and to expedite it's the results back, things <laughs> yeah. like that, it's the NFL. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. The, the NBA was not shy at all about how much money they were going to have to spend in order to make it happen. And for once, the UFC was not shy about spending money for the exact same reason. They recognized an opportunity. They said, I will pay any amount of money to get live sports back on the air. And they yep. tested people. They flew people private. They did whatever they had they to do. They created Fight Island. They God bless Fight Dana Island. White. Da- yeah, Dana White was doing everything that I was praying for everybody to do. Push Look. forward. I don't want to hear about the damn epidemic. I want sports. And it paid off, right? Yes, yes, So the NFL is going to have to adopt that same mentality. If they haven't already, the NFL is going to have to say, all right, we will pay any amount of money. I mean, the NBA might be saving everyone's ass because they helped Yale to develop this saliva study that's Mm -hmm. point-of-care results, right? So you get, like, almost immediate results. It's saliva into a little test strip into a liquid and then – if it's red, you're positive. If it's yep. blue, you're negative or whatever else. Yep. Like the NBA yep. was oh, instrumental yeah. in getting that into development. So the NFL needs to at least – those owners yeah. need to shift and into I, that mindset. And I think some of them have, and I don't know about the entire league, but I know there have been some teams. Right now the policy is if for the first two weeks of training camp, you had to test everybody every single day. And the threshold was 5%. If the league or your team was over 5%, you had to continue to test every day. If it was under that threshold, which it has been, then you could go to every other day. But I think teams, I know some of the teams I'm familiar with have elected to continue to test daily because of what we're talking about right now. They want to have the most information and be able to stop it and not allow that thing to spread, especially hit a guy like a Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen up in Buffalo. And so they are taking that additional cost hit, understanding that if they don't, it's going to cost them more money in the long run if we have to stop or you're losing games and you don't make yeah. the playoffs because yeah. your quarterback was out or a significant player wasn't playing. Yeah. And so I think teams have d- taken that mindset of, okay, let's pay this additional cost up front because it's going to save us on the back end. Let's operate under the assumption that the NFL kicks off plays, we get most of the season, right? You're going to get most of that season in front of drastically reduced live audiences. Right. We're talking about the Baltimore announced that they're going to do roughly 20% capacity. I think Kansas City said the same thing. It sounds yeah. like everywhere you're going to get maximum 20% capacity. Zoe, you're the only one of us who's been out on an NFL field. How much does that matter to you playing in a game, especially playoffs on the line, whatever? I mean, it's definitely going to be something that you have to overcome because I've played in stadiums where you're used to having big crowds and especially up in Buffalo, everybody's rocking. And then you walk into a stadium that, ooh, like the Chargers, you know, they was in a soccer stadium, really nobody there. You almost have to create your own energy. And it's going to be hard to overcome that because everybody can't do that. People like to feed off that energy they get from the crowd. I think another thing that people are not thinking about that we kind of saw in these eight games in the NBA, which I'm pretty sure we'll get to as well, you want to see some guys actually outperform what you may think of them because now they're in like a gym setting. They're in a practice setting. They don't have that additional pressure on them. And so they're going to rise up, and you're going to see some guys fall back because they're not used to that dynamic. And so it's going to be very different this year as far as some of the guys that we think are really good or should be on the team because of that aspect. And so to answer your question, I'll see it's it's a drastic change. It's a drastic difference because practicing, you know, Thursday, 
out at your practice field is a much, much different field when you're playing in front of 60,000 people, running out of a tunnel, playing on Monday night in front of all these people. You can just feel the energy, nerves get to you, all those type of things. And so people are going to have to figure out how to get themselves going without that additional energy, positive and negative. Because I like playing away games where people are booing you, ooh, and, you know, it's us against the world type mentality. It's going to be hard to kind of create that own juice unless it's something that you have inside of you. Which one were you? You needed the energy one way or the other, positive or negative. If you were playing in a silent stadium, you get better results. I bring the energy, baby. I bring the big hits. Put that number two on your list. Zach, I don't need no energy. I don't need no fans. You know, I've learned over the years that. uh, No, I like that. That doesn't go on number two. Number one is still. Number one, number one remains. Number two. No, I'm fine with that. I can just tell you. Bring the energy. You know, I, you know, special teams was kind of my thing. We were considered the body puncher setting people up. And so I used to like bringing the hits when there's one man gang would be number two on your cocky list. Why would Uh, that? I, that I didn't your give handle is one-man gang. Yeah, I didn't give First of all, you're married with kids, so you're not a one-man gang. Yeah, you are a plenty-person gang. Second about? of all, okay, now just about? me hey, talking about being like? first-team all-league, you know what I'm saying, in hoop. Like, I remember I was hitting so many threes that this dude tried to goon me, right? So he, like, he knocked me down hella hard on a three, and it was the end of the half. So I had three free throws, but there was no crowd. There was no players either opponents or teammates everybody was off the court it was just me and i hit all three and uh so i would say that you know it doesn't matter for me if the you know if the crowd's there or not you know what i mean first team all league's gonna show up you know okay. what i mean well what I was that? I, when i went to kennedy only, oh, white, boy, oh, okay. only white boy in the school right. only okay. white boy in the school do you need me to bust out my Contra Costa oh, jersey right now? Contra Costa. Deuce cutting loose. I'm asking you where your triple free throws under with no crowd, where that happened. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate Look, it. I, I can't tell if you're genuine or not, but I appreciate I, it. He's not. If I you know can't read not. his face. I know, I know he's not. He's never I, been I genuine with me ever. I need a crowd. I'm like, I'm sorry in the gym. Terrible at practice. Awful. By yourself? I actually have really enjoyed watching this dynamic as the UFC has held events with no crowd because you see some guys that the pressure gets to them when there's fans and they're on the big stage. And it doesn't feel like that when you're fighting in a gym with only 20 people there, some guys perform better. That would not be me. I I am sorry in the gym. I'm terrible when it's just me and my training partners. So I'm glad I wasn't trying to be a pro in this era where you have nothing except your own thoughts and the guy standing across from you. I couldn't do it. Can we get to some hope or what? I'm wearing a Suns jersey. I'm wearing a Suns hat, and he's in Arizona, the home of my beloved Suns. They did nothing but win. First of all, first of all, first of all, you rep the Bay so hard. Absolutely. You talk so hard about the Bay. You you sound like you're from the Bay. How are you a Phoenix Suns fan? I don't don't understand it. Charles Charles Barkley. You have no connection to Charles Barkley. Uh, First of all, okay, hang on. Yeah, I mean, what? Did he, peel the, did, he, did he come to Oakland or something? Is he from yes, Oakland? Yes. He, no, he played the Warriors. Oh, I wore a Suns jersey. The hometown team. Okay, go ahead. Okay. And I'm wearing a Suns jersey, and he's at the free throw line, and everybody's booing him because this is right after he was trying to spit on a dude, and he accidentally spit on a girl, which I don't condone, and he doesn't condone either. He did it on accident, but I was having his back, so it was completely silent. When he hit the free throw, I told everybody to shut the bleep up. 
and I was up there, you know, waving my hands, wrapping my jersey. Wait, wait, how old were you? I was about 12 years old, I guess. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you didn't tell nobody to shut the bleep up at 12, man. Oh, no. I told everybody to kiss my bleep and yeah, shut the bleep right. up, all that. And everybody yeah, was right. silent because he dropped 56. Anyways, at halftime, he came directly to me, and there was all these people trying to get his autograph, and he said, I'm only signing his jersey. I had a basketball card for him to sign. He said, put that card away. Take your jersey off. I'm signing your jersey. And then I put the jersey back on and I repped it. So, yes, That's I'm the same a jersey man. right now. <laughs> no, not this one. Oh, I got that, okay. I got well, that one framed. Well, this well, is a different well, one. This is where you messed up. You said you were a fan because of Charles Barkley, but you yeah. went to the game already as a fan. Yes. So that, that moment took place after you were a fan. I know, but so I love Charles Barkley. How did you become? How? Because he made me love basketball. How? Because he's the best to ever do oh, it. One of those that, guys. Man. Okay, look. the hometown team, man. I, you like okay, the Arizona first, Cardinals, too? No, I'm a Dolphins fan. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so my two favorite players are Dan that. Marino and Charles Barkley, the two best players ever in their sport to never win a championship. That's a no, fact. Hold on. First That's of all, Carl Malone Who's better than Dan Marino? Carl Malone is not better than Charles Barkley, Mr. Utah. Oh, my God. You're going to make the argument that Carl Malone is better than Charles Barkley? You can I make will that firmly argument. die on that hill. Oh, my God. No one's going to agree with you on that. How many times was Charles Barkley MVP of the NBA? Once. How many times How many was Carl Malone MVP? I, I don't know. Twice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and then Jordan whooped his ass because he won it over him. <laughs> Well, how are you gonna? Can you NFL meatheads show a little bit of NBA basketball prowess and have a conversation about the bubble? How do you feel it's been going? My son's got screwed. They didn't win enough games before the season got canceled. They didn't they lose a game in the bubble, so it doesn't matter. So if I told you that you were going to a place where you weren't going to lose a game and you were rewarded with nothing, you would be very angry. No, I would not. They how many games did they lose before they got to the bubble? Doesn't matter. The it bubble does. started. They didn't lose. Devin Booker's the best player in the it league. Does matter. Under your premise, under your premise, Zachariah, any team that wins eight games in a row deserves to be a playoff yep. team. Yep. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my if entire life. If you're doing a restart bubble, then yes. No, that's not. All right. Anyway, here's my hot take. I think the Blazers are going to beat the Lakers eight over one. I would love that because Damian Lillard is. The he's most so exciting from player. From Oakland, by the way, Zoe, you should love that. Yeah, well, I know where he's from. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I feel yeah. like you've lost your Bay Area roots. Oh, okay, so yeah. I, I've lost my, it, but you got Mr. Trophies in the background. Mr. the Suns right now. I'm, just, I'm, I'm repping just, the Bay, man. I'm one of okay. the proud sons of the Bay. <laughs> by the way, you guys. Five sons. That's others. number two. Now we can put that as number two on the list. Calling yourself one of the five sons of the Bay. I don't even know what that means. Who are the other four? Proud oh, sons. Proud. Of the okay. Bay. I thought you said five sons. Okay. Come on, man. I bet my dad cussed. One of the great ones, baby. Hey. <laughs> Did you see his I love Damian Lillard. Absolutely love Damian Lillard. His mindset, the way he conducts himself in his play, and the way that he speaks. I like his rap. He's talented at everything he does. I actually tweeted this. I wish we could see Damian Lillard. I don't feel this way about most NBA guys. I wish we could see Damian Lillard if you had taken him at like age 10 and made him a football guy or made him a boxer or made him a whatever else because that mindset, that kind of Kobe mentality just applies to everything. I think he's got the toughness and the mentality. I'm, to on, I'm not with you on football because I don't know where he would play. I mean, maybe safety or something like an Ed Reed, but I'm with you on boxing for sure. He would have been a hell of a boxer. 
defensive yeah. back or wide receiver. I mean, that's the thing. If you train sure any of these, wide out, right? these elite NBA athletes to be football players, they probably would excel even in that sport. But no, that's neither no, here nor not there. All of them. Not all. A lot of them. Dame because of his mentality, but most of them, do you see the acting? Even my guy Brown the other night, I don't know if y'all saw the flagrant foul that he got called on. He just got hit and just fell to the ground. That's everybody, though. That's everybody. That's what I'm talking about. You can't do that in football. You never hear me say that about, like, James Harden. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Back up on what Zoe said. You can't do that in football? You're telling me you've never sold a hold or sold a personal foul? No, a personal foul and roll on the ground and hold my face? Like, oh, I'm hurt? Yes, yes. You ever heard anybody? If you do that, you coming out of the game. You're sitting on the bench. (laughs) Fair enough. I'm going to record a bunch of those. I can do it just for the Super Bowl. I will. I'll do it just for the Super Bowl. About getting called, but oh, and falling all out like somebody just tattooed you. Please, please find it. All right, I will. (laughs) Let's get back to your ridiculous claim. As much as I wish what you said was true, the Portland Trailblazers do not play defense, so they are not going to be able to beat the I'm Los Angeles Lakers. You, you, know, you want to know what you can get it for in Vegas right now? Plus 450. That's a good $100 spent. I'm just letting you know, all the people out there listening, it starts tonight. They're going to take game one. The Lakers are going down. Bron Bron and the whole Kobe Bryant tribute. Oh, yes, it's going to happen. There's the no Blazers way. are coming for your stuff. They don't have enough. It's just okay. they don't they don't have enough. It just is what it is. And I love Dame and McCullough. They they're obviously a good duel, but they just don't have enough. Okay. All right. OC said no more Rona rants, but I like to do saying- Rona rants. How has your life changed based on the Rona? I know that OC is currently in his in laws house with a couple of bucks over his left shoulder. He's got like some dead animals. All I think he has a carpet of a cougar. <laughs> Yeah. Or something he told me about the other day. So, anyways, yeah. his life has obviously been altered by the Rona because he can't get his house done. How has the Rona affected you? Honestly, I'm in a position where it really hasn't impacted me at all outside of having to stay at home more. And I have both my sons here doing distance learning, but that's okay. not really a big shift for me. So, I can't even complain like I'm living this whole altered life based on Rona. So, I'm good. I'm just trying to serve where I can. All right. Fair enough. And then, uh, OC, other than you showing me, what was that? That was a skull of what? I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is an audio platform, so the people can't see exactly what we're doing. But what was the skull that you just put in front of your video? I was a cougar skull. My father-in-law's a big hunter. We need to get out of here. You know what I'm saying? He killed a uh, cougar? Yeah, killed it. Shot it. Are you worried about your own safety? No, not at all. Well, the only Rona rant that I have is actually a positive one in that I had an old French couple uh, come by my garden and they complimented and I'm not a gardener at all. I don't have a green thumb, but I've been doing my work. I got some naked ladies up there. I can send you guys a video of like what I've done with my front garden and they complimented my garden and that really warmed my heart. So that's my Rona rant. That's all I got. You can classify as a rant. Well, it's not a rant. It's, it's a good thing, but yeah. it, it's only applicable because of the Rona. So you have is. to edit this out completely. This is no, not compelling. I'm leaving that in there and I hope the French couple is listening to the podcast. One man gang. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a hater, man. You I'm not a hater. Nickname I, that cool. I, I, I do. Have nickname that cool. I mean, I do. I do. So it's not hating. It's the opposite hated, of hating. You hated on it earlier. And one man gang. Yeah. yeah, I wish I had that yeah. nickname. You're not a one man gang. You're a uh, four or five man gang. You're you're married with kids. That's true. No. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Just don't apply. Holla. <laughs>